This episode of this Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey is brought to you by Energy Healer Jean Borders' Personal Powerful Transformation Program. Know you're leaving money on the table, but can't figure out how to bring it in? Need to double your productivity and profitability? Need an extra push to get things moving in the right direction? Visit www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com slash transformation now and apply for a business consultation with Jean. Welcome to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Prepare to feel a sense of relief and empowerment as we get rid of the baggage you've been carrying that's held up your business success up until now. Be sure to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, get comfortable, and prepare to take off. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Jean Border, with the Focus Practical Dreamer's Journey. I am so happy you're here, happy you're listening in, watching, whichever platform you're on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I have a very special guest with me here today. This is Dr. Heather Brown. She is a, I'm going to call her a relationship professional. Do you have a title that you call yourself? Uh, Well, most people say relationship expert or psychotherapist is what most people say. Okay. (laughs) Wasn't sure. Didn't want to, didn't want to mistake. Welcome to have you here. You've got such a a fantastic background, TEDx speaker. Oh, my gosh. In business forever. Talk to me a little bit about that. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, guys. I'm Dr. Heather Brown and honored to be here. Um, I'm in California. I've been a psychotherapist for 27 years and um, have just recently stepped into a bigger platform. I figured, why not, as I move into the 60s? So I've done a TEDx. I'm starting to do some keynotes. Um, I'm in publishing right now for my book, doing workshops. So just trying to move a little bit out of the one-on-one, just like so many of you listeners are trying to find a way to cultivate more income for yourself, be it either another branch to your professional career or maybe a side hustle. I'm doing the same, uh, trying to have some auxiliary forms of income and also just to keep that passion and that excitement and that learning alive, which is a really important part if you're going to continue for the long haul. I think so many of my listeners in particular are what I call lifelong learners. Totally curious about everything. The energy, a lot of my listeners are energy workers, right? What they call energy healers for some of you who haven't heard the term before. But we work on mindset issues and things that might have been holding you back in the past. But for our listeners, a lot of that comes with obstacles that they have to get over to go from talking what I call English to speaking energy. (laughs) Because they're two different languages, right? But a lot of that is also business oriented. Talk to me about how you originally grew your business. I assume you're in business for yourself is the way you're speaking. And then how you're now moving from one-on-one to broader reach. 
Sure. Well, years ago, I've been a psychotherapist for 27 years. So when I started, um, when you're in your master's program and your doctorate, they have you try out a couple of different venues. And so I tried, I knew I didn't want to do hospital setting. So I tried some crisis and I tried in nonprofit and I tried private practice and I really love private practice. And I just marketed the heck out of myself. And Way back 27 years ago, it was literally taking doctors out to lunch. It was um, sending letters. It was was meeting people, which was quite lovely, L- little time extensive. But I still have those contacts, and they're still good sources. Changed dramatically, of course, during that time, and now so much is online. Um, but the the reason for the shift is I've I've done this for 27 years, and I'm a widow, and COVID hit. And I was going to be stuck at home. And I thought, I'm not going to thrive in the way that I want to if I'm just doing crisis Zoom phone calls with clients. And so my thought was, well, well, how do I help reach a, a, a broader audience? And my thought went to online courses, which I then studied and created. And then I found so many people now are completely burnt out from doing online courses. So, okay. From that, then it turned into doing podcasts and someone's, you should be a speaker, which turned into, how about doing a TEDx, which turned into, you need a book. And so it just kind of kept growing in in those aspects, as it often does. And you brought up a couple of things that are so important. I think everything is energy work. I think our world doesn't look at it that way. And I think if we really take that in, everything is energy, everything is vibration. And so when we come to a place where a word doesn't quite calibrate with where we're wanting it to go, the key is we are to bring the energy. Because a word is in some ways a static, you know, it, it's it's a phrase and it, behind it is your thought. If I say love, listeners have all sorts of different feelings. They have their own vibration and energy about it. So when we look at business and we look at the structural aspect of word, the key is for you to find your way to bring your energy to that. And then when you come to a place of, let's say, resistance, it gives you the opportunity to to look within yourself and find who you are and how you are and how you can untweak that a little bit for yourself to find that fluidity and that movement once again. But if you allow yourself to embrace energy as everything, when you come to a place where it's not going smoothly, it's because your energy is not going smoothly. And because you're an energy healer, that's easier for you to resolve. Changing a thought process, because it's so rapid in its movement, is a lot of times very much quicker and trickier, especially because it's tied to the ego, than to change your vibrational pulse within you, which of course is largely tied to meditation, breath work, chakra work. You guys know this. If you change the body, it lasts longer. If you change the mind, it's a quick fix, but it has to stay in that frame. So let yourself go to what you know. Let it be the energy to change the word and not I have to match the word with my energy and you'll be grounded and then it'll work so much better. Always start with you.
always start with, that's all you know. That was such an interesting concept that you just stated, because when I started this conversation, I was thinking more of language, and you moved it into the internal, and that is so important. Language is internal. Language is internal. When I would, it's all about compassion, connection, and then conversation. We rely on words, but words are, are merely here to try to describe what we're feeling. And they fall really short. That's why, that's why music is so beautiful, because you feel it. An, an amazing poet, an amazing writer, you get into it. But most places, it doesn't quite fit, because the word's trying to describe. And if you think about that energetically, I'm trying to describe. It's kind of like a label. Whereas, to me, emotion is the experience. And so it's not going to fit into sad, mad, frustrated, blocked. There's going to be a whole lot about it. Like if you're frustrated, well, why? Because everything's crashing down because I feel really sick. There's reasons behind it that aren't just frustrated. And so when we give our, when we allow the words to have life, which is our energetic experience, then we can work with it better. When we try to squeeze ourselves into that word, we don't fit. I think the world is a massive example of that. We don't like to fit into labels, though we accuse and judge and attack people with labels all the time. But we don't like to be squeezed into them. So our heart, our spirit doesn't want to either because it's not a constant. It's constantly changing. And that's the beauty of energy. What's a better feeling thought? What's a better feeling thought? What's a better feeling thought? Do I want to stay here? Does this serve me? Is this connected with the divine? Those are great questions to be asking yourself. And when you're working with someone else, at least in my experience, it's important to realize that just because you state a phrase doesn't mean they understand it the way you meant it. And so even if we think they do, we'll never know. I say this to my clients all the time. If I say to you, you know, this, this, this uh, frame is yellow and you say, huh, I'll never know if you see the same yellow. If I say this chocolate is delicious, I'll never know if you taste the same chocolate. So I tell clients is you're going to hate this, but you just need to see if you can accept it. Everything is really someone's perception. Absolutely. The best I can do is share with you my experience and you align with that wherever you align with that. Will you ever completely understand my experience? No. But when I give you that gift, when I give myself that gift, I no longer have to fight you or look poorly upon you or be angry with you or or depressed and defeated within myself that I'm not able to get you there. I can't get you into me, just like I can't quite get into you. But the reasons we hit those beautiful moments of intimacy and ecstasy is we think we are, and those are glorious. When souls connect, you guys know this, when your soul connects and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm seeing you and me and 
me and you. It's not that you're so much truly connecting with the other. It's that you're connecting with a commonality of yourself in the mirror of relationship. And that's that's a glorious, blessed place. But I think most people in the world, um, well, we're moving there. We're moving in the direction of people starting to understand more so and, and waking up a little bit. But that's why we're here. We got, we got a lot of work to do to help people with that. I'm called the reframe queen. And for a very good reason, because I'll take a phrase, a situation, and I'll say, well, let's look at it from the other side. Or what if we tweak this? A yes is also a no. If I say, yes, happy to do the podcast with you, then I needed to say, no, sweet client, I can't meet with you during this hour. Uh-huh. And when we recognize it's always both, then there's a balance in the energy. There's a balance in the power. And then there's a personal choice. We rob ourselves of our personal power and choice by feeling stuck. And there is no stuck. There's just you sticking. You said so many things I'd love to unpack, but I'm sure I'm going to forget them all. But a few a few things. Um, in my previous life, I was like the boss. I had, I had teams that, that worked with me. And part of the training process was get, getting people to understand that just because you said something doesn't mean this person received your message. So you may have to, re- to use your term, reframe what you're saying to put it in different a different context because this person doesn't have your experience. They've not lived your life. They've not seen what you've seen. They've not had your training. So you have to be able to understand, yes, I'm the sender, but the receiver's not getting the message, so there is no communication. What, and if we could grasp that, if we could grasp that it's up to us to try to help the other person understand it's not up to them, our world would change. I homeschooled my children and in third grade, my daughter, bless her beautiful heart, could not get Saxon math. And she was crying every day. And I know a lot of parents would get angry with their child and frustrated with their child. And I realized it was it was my shortcoming. I didn't know how to teach her. And I remember taking the book and sliding it down the hallway. And I said, you know, to heck with Saxon Mouth. We're going to a different program. And we did. And we figured it out. And my daughter being the like power child that she is, she said, well, now we need to conquer Saxon Mouth, which she did. But it showed me something. If I am in a role of teaching, guiding, parenting, It's up to me to find the pathway. It's not up to the person. If I'm in a relationship, it's up to me to try to help you connect with what I'm trying to connect with you on. It's not up to you. Now, can you do things that help? Yes. Can you do things that hinder? Absolutely. But then I also need to look at that. Oh, so you really don't want to know what I think or I feel. Okay, then like I'll pull back. But we blame the other person that they don't understand. That should be on me. And if you can't, then I would hope I would respect that instead of punishing you simply because you can't get to my experience. If we were to look at the fact that our life, our experience, our mind, our thought is ours alone. 
And we are here to share, hopefully, what blesses other people. And that's it. I think we'd have much more respect. I think we'd walk through this world much more belovedly than we do, and blessedly and sacredly than we do, which to me cultivates energy, which to me cultivates compassion, which to me cultivates growth. But so many of us don't look at life that way. And and to me, the key isn't, do I think you got it? The key is, what did you get? I always told people, it doesn't matter if the entire world thinks I'm a great mom. Doesn't matter to me. What matters is that Mac and Sienna think I'm a great mom. And we spend so much time praising ourselves for who we are. And what's really important is what is what is the other person able to receive? But there is a little layer there. If I'm giving my wisdom, if I'm giving my love, and you don't receive it, sometimes my opportunity was just to share. And that's it. And I need to leave whether you're willing to receive on you. I can try to help with that. And energy, energy work, you guys know this, it's vital to ask permission before you step in. Vital. And along the way, you want to make certain that it's still flowing. And you want to close the person off at the end and thank them once again for allowing you to step into that sacred space. If you take that mind frame, if you will, or energetic agreement, if you will, into your relationship beyond working on a body and Reiki or massage or breathwork or, or whatever moda- sound, whatever modality it might be, you'll see that your relationships will change. I always ask permission. I've recognized something. I've seen something. Do I have permission to share? I do the exact same thing in communication. And you mentioned something earlier, and and a lot of this this most recent conversation was about choice. Mm-hmm. People make choices all the time, and sometimes it's from a place of unconsciousness, and those then become just habits, right? We just repeat the same thing over and over. We don't even know why. We're just doing the same thing every day, day in, day out, or in a situation, they always react the same way because that's what they've always done, and they haven't become aware that a different response might create a different outcome. Well, how could you? How could you? If if you grew up in a family where mom was hit, if she spoke up, until you see another family that raises their hand or says, could I offer something and is not hit? You won't, you won't know that. My mom was a paranoid schizophrenic. She's the reason I'm a psychotherapist, because I learned so much from living with a mom who was in a different reality a lot of the time. And I remember I knew something was very, very off as a child because it just felt strange. But she would play this game where mom would go away and Judy, the babysitter, would come when mom was tired of being a mom. Whether it was DID, I don't know. Because way back then, you know, no one talked about anything having to do with your mind. But in any case, she only did it with my sister and I. She never did it in front of my dad. She never did it in front of someone else. And we didn't spend a lot of time with other people, which I think was probably on purpose. But I remember on a Wednesday morning, we went to the laundromat. And Mr. Chen was the laundromat owner. And he came up to us and he said, you know, hello, hello, Virginia. And she said, I'm, I'm not Jenny. And he said, 
you know, Mrs. McElroy. And she said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not Jenny. I'm Judy. And she said, you know, Judy's taking a break. And I remember his whole eyes clouded over and I went, okay, he thinks this is weird too. We went and did our laundry and he came up to me at the end and he looked at me. I was eight. I was holding all the little laundry tight to my little chest. And he said, are you okay? And I did what probably any eight-year-old who's scared out of the mind would do. I put on a huge smile and I looked at him and I said, I don't know. And he just looked at me and we marched out of the laundromat for another week. We only know what we know until we're exposed to something else. I had a massive awareness about attachment at 58. And I'm a psychotherapist. And I went back to my kids. And I went back to my dearest friends. And I went went back to some clients who have worked with me for years. And I said, I am so sorry. I didn't realize this. And I haven't been... I haven't been coming from that place. And every single one of them said, it's okay, because I was there too. And like, I'm going to understand what you understand now. So you're guiding me to get further. And I'm like, dear God, Heather, it's 58. You specialize in this stuff. How could you not get it? But I I wasn't ready. I'm ready is huge. You can't do anything if you're not. You're not there. You'll, well, you know this. you'll, you'll hear it. And you're like, no, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's, that's not it. And then a year later, a month later, five minutes later, whatever, you'll say, wait a second. I'm having a thing going on recently. My The people who watch me on TikTok think it's hysterical because I'm taking phrases that we use and I'm, I'm kind of pointing out how stupid they are. Like, you've got to dig yourself out of a hole. No, you don't. You put the stupid shovel down and realize it's not working. And you look up and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's out. And you climb out. So we hold to things that really aren't the truth. And we act as if they are. Why do we stay in a fight and argue and argue and argue and never give up our shovel? Because we've been told you got to dig yourself out of a hole. No, you don't. No, you don't. So... We believe what we've been taught. Of course we do. Until we can find for ourselves something different. It'd be interesting if we were taught less in words and given more opportunity to figure things out. We'd be very different. If we were not taught, you must be like this and you must be like this and this is the way and this is the only way and this is the way, we would be very different. In some ways, probably massively healthier. And in some ways, I don't know how we'd interact with others. We'd have to see. But uh, so much of what we've been told doesn't really land. I think it's also true that, and you alluded to this earlier, sometimes we are not ready. There's something within us trying to keep us safe that doesn't want to acknowledge something yet. And flash- I'm sorry? Like flashbacks. Yes. You don't have a flashback until your psyche feels that you can handle it. And it's a protective mode. Something awful happened. I'm going to separate you from from you and depersonalize so you don't remember. And I'm not going to bring it back until it benefits you. I had a girl who knew she was molested at three. She knew it. She had feelings. She didn't have the reality. She came to me and she wanted to have the reality. And I asked her, are you sure you want that? Or could it be enough to know that you were molested? 
she wanted the reality. And so we did some work on it. And as she got closer, she went, yeah, I don't I don't need to. And she let it go. And as far as I know, she's never had a full flashback to that. I don't know that you necessarily need to have that. She didn't need to have that. But your body is constantly trying to keep you healthy, trying to keep you balanced. And it's only going to give you what it can give you as long as it can give you. And then it will either offer movement, offer a shift, offer a truth, offer pain, offer anxiety, offer disease. When we learn, well, as energy healers, it's so much about listening to your body and what is your body telling you. And when you key into that, that's the answer. I'm feeling a little anxious here. I love Eckhart Tolle because he says he won't say, I am anxious. He says, oh, I'm aware of an anxious feeling. He doesn't label himself in it because it's a temporary. And he can see it from a little bit of the perspective, you know, an observer, which is, as you know, is much easier to receive. And then, and then you don't get caught, especially like in meditation. Oh, I'm aware of, not, oh, why am I? It allows it to, to be more fluid, like energy is. And so when we let our body guide us, there's massive wisdom there because the body wants to be healthy. I had a, a fascinating awareness with a young girl who came to me and she had done, um, she wanted to do a poetry reading, her senior poetry recital. And she got scared, she got overwhelmed, she got nervous, she ran to the bathroom, she was throwing up. She called her mom, mom picked her up. She didn't do her recital. She came to me for the first time the next day and was really upset. And I said to her, well, your body was helping you. Your anxiety was trying to help you. She said, what? And I said, yeah, because what you were telling yourself and your, bra and your brain's knowledge didn't work. And she goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, what were you telling yourself? I've got to win. I better not screw up. It better be amazing. They better love me. And your brain went, oh, my God, I can't make this happen. What do I do? I can't make certain everyone loves you. I can't make certain you don't screw up. I can't make certain you don't win. Oh, my gosh, I'll take you out. Let's bring anxiety. Anxiety came. She got overwhelmed. She got scared. She got sick. And the body's like, see, we helped you. You didn't have to go through that horror. And she went, oh, my gosh, what should I have told myself? And I said, well, you know, that would have been up to you. But my thought would be, gee, this will be fun. What a great experience. I love my poem. I hope you love it, too. But if not, I'm going to share it with you. And she went, wow, that would have been different. Our body wants to help us. So if we put a requirement upon our body that our, our mind says, I can't guarantee that, like the apprehension comes. And so it's beautiful knowledge for yourself. I'm going to share this because I think it's hilarious. I was in a travel job. I traveled all over the, the United States, the territories, Europe, wherever. I'm sitting, oh, our, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting in an airplane where it's like 36,000 feet, and I would always get a window seat, always, because I love to see the clouds and what's under me and all that. And I'm looking out, and, I'm, and this thought came into my head, what the heck are you doing? 
there is nothing under this plane. What is keeping you up here? And I allowed that to go on for a couple of minutes. And I said, Uh-oh. oh, my gosh, what the heck? <laughs> and I, I put a stop to it. But not everyone would. My subconscious came in and said, what the heck? You've done this a million times. You know, it's safer than driving a car. You know, all the, the logic came in. But that first, that weird sensation of, what are you doing? There's nothing below this. How are you sitting here? Why aren't you crashing to the ground? I mean, so I feel for people who have these anxieties that they'll, that then for whatever reason, that other part of the brain doesn't kick in and say, stop, let's look at it logically. Let's get, take all this fear out. And now what emotion do you feel? Well, I feel I'm thrilled that I'm up this high. How many people get to do this? And so the excitement overtook the anxiety and my brain or my body, my subconscious, whatever you want to call it, shifted. And it was perfectly fine after that. And how beautiful that you recognize that. And It was just the craziest thing. I'm like, so now I guess I see how people get so afraid. They just start down that pathway, that little detour, only they keep going and they don't bring themselves back to the main road. What if, what if, what if? Yeah, exactly. I had a woman, you'll understand why she only came to me for one session. I, I think I've blown out two people in my life. I do. And I have to own that. I don't think I would have done it differently, though, because I think we probably just shouldn't have worked together, but I could have been more gentle with her. I don't know. Whatever. I did what I did. But she came to me for severe anxiety. Her husband was a truck driver, and he'd been driving the truck for 37 years. And whenever he was gone, she was just a wreck, panicking, crying, so sad he was going to die. And then when he'd come back, she would just be like holding on to him like, you know, a vice. And, and I said to her, after listening to her for quite a while going on, quite a while, and I said, I have, I have a question for you. So for 37 years, you've been petrified that he's going to die driving the truck. And she said, yes. And I said, how many times in those 37 years of fear has he died? And she got really upset. I said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to be rude. I really am trying to help. It sounds like he is unbelievably protected. Unbelievably protected. It sounds like he's a really good driver. And wouldn't it be awesome if you could give yourself and him the gift of being so grateful that he's so protected, he provides for you so you can stay home, that he loves you so much and can't wait to come back, and how much you adore him and appreciate him and respect him. So while he's away, you're building him up. And then when he comes home, you're just showering him with the love of a devoted partner who's so excited to see her partner. She didn't come back. I, I think she wanted to keep feeling fearful. Well, it sounds like she wasn't ready yet. Exactly. She was moving down that pathway, so she did. And, and I jumped too fast. I jumped too fast. We all that. We all did. I did it twice. I've done it twice for sure because they, they don't come back the next time. But I had to learn that, too. But I think my insight was still really important because you did the same thing. But you said, now, hold on. She didn't do that. She didn't say, now, hold on. 37 years, he hasn't died. There's a good point there. She went to this person, and she was right. This person didn't stay with me in my anxiety and didn't respect what I'm going through enough. And clearly, I blew it there, or she would have come back. So I didn't care enough about, and, and, and thinking about it, 37 years of being anxious, half a year. Dear Lord, 
that sounds awful. Well, in my world, <laughs> the, a lot of the clients that come to me, energy healers, are very wrapped up in the identity that the illness or the discomfort gives them. And so that was a big identity piece. You take that away, what is she? She doesn't know how to be other. Right, because she's done that for 30 seconds. Yeah. So that's very scary. And so I, like, well, from A to Z, wait you for an A to go to, like, a little bit bigger of an A. But, but the other part to that is... Yeah, but the other part to that is some is also something that's important for energy workers that, that you brought up. Um, and you said it in a different way. But energy workers have to work very gently because it's very, so we, we can work so quickly and we can handle so much stuff and make such drastic changes in people's lives. If they're not ready for it, that's almost like introducing a trauma into their world. They use utilize something as a safety, as a precaution to keep them safe. And you rip that away. And then what are they? Now they're terrified, right? So we have to be very conscious of what we're doing and how our, when we utilize words, how our words come across to the client so that we don't take them too quickly and throw them into panic or whatever. And I think as a therapist, now I have to own that I haven't, I haven't, I got my my doctorate when I was 30. So we're talking 30 years ago. So things may have changed a, a ton in the educational spectrum. I don't know how much now is required within the requirement of psychotherapist, but I'm believing not that much in the energy field. And I think my um, my lack of sensitivity, my lack of awareness is probably why, in some ways, psychotherapy, a psychotherapist can be damaging or destructive if they're not aware of that truth you just said, which is that's their identity, and then helping them find something else that can be them so they just don't lose who they are. I had a therapist who I stopped seeing very early on when I started therapy, and and he said to me, he canceled right before Thanksgiving. My mom had killed herself right after Thanksgiving, so he knew it was a tough time. He canceled 15 minutes before the session and said, you know, I'll talk with you next week sometime to find a time that works for me to meet. And I went, what? Um, and so when I was upset, he said, you know, it's not my problem that you have abandonment issues. And I'm like, whoa, you're using my challenge against me when I told you I didn't. That's why I was coming in for therapy. Um, so I think we have to be very careful there. I think energy healers are, thank God, really much more aware of that. So this goes to a really important place. I love psychotherapy. I love it. And as so many people know, and you guys all know, it can only go so far because you're talking to the cerebral mind. You're not talking to the primitive mind. And when you're doing energy work, you're all in that place. So there's a technique that I've been trained in called brain spotting. And it 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 takes you between the primitive and the cerebral to help you get to those places where you know cognitively this is this doesn't make sense, but you can't tap into why. You guys know that because the trauma happens in the non-cerebral. 
It happens in the primitive brain. It happens in the fight flight. And so when we come from the psycho psychotherapy model, it's verbal. Well, that's where the energetic or the brass is so important. And so you guys are probably really skilled in that. And just know there's a huge, huge important component of that that taps in really deeply into some of those places where there's dissonance and it doesn't make sense and you don't know why, but you have this pit. So important because you can only talk things so far. You really have to get into what is the energetic experience of it? What is the energetic memory of it within the body? Yeah. There's something else I want to touch on because it also alludes back, goes back to your story. With, I set up my energy business under the premise that the right client will find me at the right time. My outside looking in observation might be that those two people that you met with weren't your ideal clients. They weren't. With, with what I call younger healers, people who are just beginning in that world or who don't have a lot of experience, one of the things we do is every time we pick up the phone, we're dealing with a different situation, right? So I, I tell people, just be easy with yourself. Be gentle. Don't overshoot. Don't go in like gangbusters and try to fix everything because that's what the clients a lot of times say. I just want you to fix me, right? Um, but we build walls around like our heart when we've been hurt. And unless we're completely ready and we feel we're in a safe place, it may not be in the client's best interest to totally remove that heart wall because now the feeling of safety goes away. And how do I deal with that feeling, uh, that feeling of being unsafe? Right. And so it's like an onion. There's layers to like how far can they go? I know for me, obviously, that was one of my early clients, fortunately, but there's a lot of pacing that goes on. You know, it's like if you're going to a chiropractor and they say, or a massage therapist, do you want me to go deeper? And you say uh, a little, oh, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. <sighs> okay, you can go deeper. There's a lot of guiding. And so I, I will continually with my clients, like when we get to a tough place, I'll just say, but let's just stay here for a moment. Let's just breathe. Let's just stay here for a moment. And then I'll say, you know, do we want to go a little further? Do we want to leave this right here, right now, and just stay here longer? And and I'll let them. Because, yeah, if the person is not willing, then you're, you're creating resistance. And then also, it's your agenda. They didn't come to you for your agenda. They did come for your knowledge, but they didn't come for your agenda. I know one thing that for me, if I look way, way back, this is so hard when you're first starting it, especially when money is tight. You can want your clients and want clients to come to you because you need money. And you can want them to keep coming because you need money. As much as you possibly can, try to separate that. And it's hard. I remember I remember my first month I had four clients. And then the next month I had one. And I remember thinking, oh, every time everyone said like that, you did great work. I think I'm good. I'm like, yay. 
damn. And I remember saying to myself, Heather, you can't do this. You can't do this. You have to let them go with love. You have to let them go with joy and delight and say, please recommend me to others. And I'm so, I'm so grateful. And then trust that when you do really good, beautiful work, they will. And they do. The third month I had 12. Um, my, though I'm on all of these, you know, psychotherapy, psychology of the day, network therapy, marriage, family, you know, lots and lots of places. My number one source of referral is Yelp and Google. And I thought that was like hysterical. Never thought it was possible. A client said to me that she got most of her, she's a hairdresser. She got most of her people through Yelp. And I thought, well, you can't do that as a psychotherapist. And she said, sure, you can. You want me to write one for you? Like, yes. She goes, ask your clients. They would love to. And they did. So for me, it is word of mouth. Do I get someone once or twice a year from these sites that I pay a couple hundred dollars for a year? Yes. Is it wise to keep myself up there? Yes. But the longer you continue, when you love on people and support people and guide people and help people heal themselves, they will send people your way. I have one person who has sent me that have actually come to therapy, not just given my name out, at least 10 people. And she herself has paid for five people as gifts to come see me. It just happens when you're good at what you do and you know what you do and you really honor what you do. Don't be a jack of all trades. Don't really find where your forte is. There's some particular places I 100% don't work. I'm just not the greatest there. I don't really enjoy it. I don't want to do it. And then the next person who calls will be blessed for you. The universe wants you to use your gifts. And people want you to help them learn how to heal. And make certain that you've got a good side job if you're just building. And hold on to it for a while because you don't want to be strapped financially while you do this. It just makes it uncomfortable and, and scary. And energy work doesn't work as well when you're scared. It is so hilarious that you say that because I tell my, I work with a lot of like small business owners and people who are straddling a career and and creating a business. It's the wisest way to do it. Oh, but everybody says, I need to commit. I'm like, oh, yes, you commit internally. You don't let go your only source of income in order to create something that is not yet in the stage of profitability. And I second that. And and because a lot of people out there, whether they're coaches or trainers, will tell you, and I'm 60, so take it or leave it. But they will tell you, if you don't jump all in, you're not committed. I'm going to say baloney. 95% of my income still comes from my clients. Now, will it veer when my book is out? To a certain extent, yes. Will it veer as I do more workshops? Yes. But I'm not letting go of my bread and butter for what is like a 5%. That's silly. That's silly. And my thought is it's not none of this, all of this. 
you're going to start to find there's connections that go back and forth. It's why you're growing into that. It's why you've been guided into that. It's why spirit is saying, oh, there's more for you over here. But spirit doesn't say hardly ever, cut this all off. This is your past life. There's nothing to do with that. We're going to start fresh. Spirit takes all of this and moves you here. So I'm a huge believer of having an emergency fund. Um, but I'm also a widow. I was also on my own at 17. So I've got reasons to feel that way. But there's so many people that feel like you're failing yourself if you don't just jump in wholehearted. And if it's not sustainable, it's not going to do you any good because you're going to burn out and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to be out of money. And then you're going to have to go take some job just to pay the bills. It, it's Grow it on the side. You're going to be tired for sure. And, and you're not going to have free time much as you do your job and then veer. But, you know, you'll eventually move this into part-time or contract or one day a week or remote. Like you'll find a way to keep. It's like somebody who wants to start a baking business on the side. You start on nights and weekends. And then you keep growing it and growing and growing it until you're like, okay, I can let go of some of this. Well, I'm going to let go of all of it. But it's a gradual because you had a learning experience. It's also yeah. a learning experience as you go. Because there and. are so many different skill sets to running your own business than there is from being an employee. Oh, my gosh. Well, and when you're not at a place where you're petrified financially in that place, then your focus can really be, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do this. I remember when I was trying to do the video for my website. I'm, I'm becoming more tech aware the more I have to, but I was one-on-one -on -one in office. So, like, I didn't Zoom. I didn't do anything until COVID. And when I was trying to do this little, you know, hi, I'm Dr. Heather Brown minute video, four different times it didn't work. The first time, the videographer couldn't get the 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 microphone that we had purchased work. Okay. Then we couldn't get it to to connect with the camera. Second second shoot. Third shoot, internet went down. Fourth shoot, I got laryngitis. <laughs> I remember laying on my bed said, okay, God, come on. It's a it's a it's a 45 second video on communication and I can't speak. What the <laughs> L is the message you're trying to give me. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, don't do this. This is silly. The message I got back was, you have a phone, don't you? Just do it on your phone. Stop making this so big. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, but am I supposed to do this? I'm like, and, and the answer I got back was, yes, but you're making it too hard. I'm like, okay. And then there was another time when it was all like not working. And I remember saying to myself, God, am I even supposed to be like working so hard to try to create this online communication program? Like it's not working. I'm having a hard time growing my email list. People don't want to buy. Like I'm even supposed to do this. And I laid on my bed and I was crying. And within like a minute, I got a phone call from a, uh, one of the online things where I'm listed as a therapist. And they said, would you be willing to write us a blog on faith-based therapy? We'd love to hear it from your words. And I just started laughing. And I'm like, okay, universe. Okay, universe. You do want me to keep doing this, but I have to be like lighter about it in some way. So you're going to learn lovely people who are lifelong learners. You're in the perfect place. You're going to learn so much. And what you're also going to learn is like how human you are. 
in this experience. And for your spirit, that's probably beautiful. For your human side, it's incredibly humbling. But the more you find that out, if you allow yourself, the more your inner being will love you and adore you and just say, thank you. Thank you for being willing to do this. Thank you for being raw. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for showing your authentic self. I did a piece, uh, it's in Brains Magazine, on um, ripping off, um, ripping the glasses off of imposter syndrome. Because it's such a big like word. And, and I, it, it just bugs me. It just bugs me because I'm like, oh, my God, we're telling ourselves we're not even good at being ourselves and trying to grow. Like, what the hell is that shame and judgment? And my thought was, so what are we saying? I need you to be impressed with me in the future and think I'm amazing. Instead of just saying, this is where I am. What is it that you need? How is it that I can bless you? These are my skills. These are my talents and anything that's not, I'll work on. When we try to create an image, a brand, we have to realize it's got to really connect with who we are or we ourselves are creating that split. If I'm supposed to look to you like polished psychotherapist, I'm Heather. So we create imposter syndrome for ourselves by telling ourselves we're supposed to be other than what we are. Instead of saying, I'm going to be my glorious self and grow. We create such a challenge for ourselves in these areas. And the more you let yourself really be who you are and bring those gifts out, it shifts it. And it's important to remember, too, that clients are at various stages. So someone just being introduced to a certain topic may not want to jump to the leading expert in the field to work with because that person's going to speak at a different level than you're ready for. That person might come from a different experience or a different financial position or whatever than, than the person just dipping their toe in the water. So if I am an energy worker who is has not been in it for 20 years, maybe I could still provide huge value to this person because we're both learning as we go, but I am at a level above this client. So I do have something to offer this client. Well, and I am the appropriate person for the well, client. It's such a key that you're talking about because um, I don't know how many of you are using social media, but, but probably, probably all of you if not all, most, almost all, because you have to grow your audience. You're talking about such an important place. And as someone who's been a therapist for a really long time, um, it's something that happens to me a lot, especially when I announced that I was doing a TEDx. I am bombarded with coaches and, and managers and PR firms that want to represent me. Every single day, I have like 15 or 20 emails and messages. Hardly any of them asked me about me. They hit me with, what do you think about if I could get you 
10 clients this month where each is going to pay $3,000. And do you want to come to my free mastermind? I'm going to save a ticket for you. And I'm like, you don't have any idea the work that I do. The work that I do is not based on a dollar amount. Do I have a fee? Of course. I don't commit people to $3,000 of psychotherapy a month. It's an individual and their heart and their soul. So it's it's energetically all wrong for me. But also, they don't really want to know anything about me. And they'll say, oh, I'm so impressed with what you say and do, do, do. What do you do again? And I'm like, could you just go look at my page? Or what I say to them a lot is, would you, would you like to receive my my complimentary newsletter. 99% of them don't. And I think, wow, you want to be my coach, but you don't want to know my audience who's given me their email, that I'm in their inbox once a week, which is so much more connected than someone who likes a post on Facebook or Instagram. Like I'm in their computer weekly. And they're like, yeah, yeah no, that's okay. I get so many. I'm like, oh, so I'm just going to say, take the time to develop a relationship. People don't. They just shove their services. And what is healing is spirit to spirit. It's not title to title. And when you let yourself stay in that place of and you're also going to find, because I have people who will hold onto my business card for three years, and they'll say, I talked with you a couple of years ago. Now's the time. When you make an energetic connection, healing happens. Whether they're a client, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a relationship, it doesn't matter. It's still part of the collective be very respectful, and I have to speak to myself in this too, because I wasn't always, be very respectful of the collective. Recognize that people are doing what they think is best, but ask, what would honor you? What would bless you? What would serve you? Because otherwise you turn people off. I had a person who was trying to get me in some sort of investment thing, and I told her I wasn't interested. And Five different times she kept sending me, hey, I just want to see if you want to read this article. Hey, and I finally said, I'm just going to block you because you're not respecting what I'm saying. And she was upset. And I'm like, I, I don't know why you're upset. I'm, I'm wasting your time because I'm not going to invest in this. This isn't what I wanted out of this relationship. And you're not respecting that. So I'm just going to unfriend you. Um, there's the place of letting the person know who you are and why you're coming and what you have to offer. And this is so important. That alone sometimes is all that's needed. Being with someone. Energetically being with someone and creating sacred holy space. That's half of it. That's half of it. And then bring your glorious energy to combine with theirs where they need or want a little bit of tenderness, warmth, guidance, alignment. But if you don't create the space, the healing can't happen as deeply. 
So it begins with creating the space, and that starts with your first encounter. It's not when they lay on your bed. It's with your first encounter. I would hope people, when they come to work with you, are already so excited because they're already feeling the energetic connection. That's the key. You guys have it because you're energy workers. You have it. No one would even be aware of that without that. So honor that within yourself and know the places where it's not going as smoothly as you'd like. It's hard and frustrating and beautiful because you're going to realize things about yourself. I needed to realize I was making it way too professional. Now, will I go back at some point and have a professional video? Probably, if I want to. Probably. But doesn't always need to be so big. It needs to be connected. And those are the very important and special words from Dr. Heather Brown. So if you want to learn more about her, her website is drheatherbrown.com. But she's also offered up a gift for our, our listeners that might be available on her website, perhaps. Yes. Yeah, just go to my freebies. There's quite a few. <laughs> cool. So we're wrapping up, but I want to, if I could summarize just a little bit, since you are the relationship expert, we got some we got a lot of information on how to maintain a relationship with yourself, with your clients, with people who come to you for things they're trying to get from you, whether it's money for marketing or money for coaching you or being your representative or being your manager, and then being at peace in the world. Do you have any final closing thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, the last one's key. Being at peace with yourself in the world with where you are and with what you're aware of, why you're here, and to let, as much as you can, each day be a place of healing for yourself, but exploration, um, hopefully of, of some excitement and some adventure, um, knowing that you are exactly in the right place at the right time, knowing what it is you are to know, and anything that you have not yet experienced or learned, it's okay, because you're, you're creating this for yourself as you go along. And the more as you decide, I'm going to enjoy this, I'm going to relish this. I'm going to treasure this. We don't have that long, really, in this body, if you think about it. I mean, maybe 90 years, but that's it. Like, Hadar's at 60. Maybe I have a third left, and then I'm no longer going to be here in this body. And I know my spirit will go on, but it'll be different because it won't be with my cognitive thought or my personality. So recognize that this isn't the fact that we even get to live in a human body like what a glory in this gorgeous world what a beautiful experience and there's so much hurt and anger and ugliness and hatred going on and the places that we can bring our light we can bring our joy we can bring our healing energy the world needs it so desperately and how beautiful that you're in this place right now to be one of the people who bring more light, bring more joy. Check yourself and keep checking in with yourself to make certain that you you are full 
and that you were receiving and you were delighted to share because that's when you'll do your best work. When you don't have to, when you don't need to, but you just desire to. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. All the links to get in touch with Dr. Heather Brown will be just below. So check below. The links are there. Thank you so much for being here with me. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I, I was telling someone, at, I don't remember who it was. I think it was in a mastermind, maybe on Saturday. Um, I said, it's almost like I'm talking to myself sometimes because what 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 I hear people saying are things that I've already thought, things that, that I've probably said to someone else. It's such an interesting experience. Talking to people that I don't know that believe the things that I believe, it's very interesting. We're all tapping into the oneness of all of us. Yeah. And when we do that, it's really, it's really blessed when you're like, soul sister. (laughs) Well, thank you for spending this time with me. And thank you to the listeners who tuned in once again um, to hear my very special guest, which I really enjoyed. This is Jean Border, your host of the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Focused Practical Dreamers Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Remember to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey.